it's a lot of money. Now you have to put a lot of things to work at the same time. So it's more, more stress into the table, but we're pretty excited. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rise of the Next. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Alexis Petrani, who's the founder and CEO of 99 Minutos, a last mile delivery company that serves online retailers in LATAM. 99 Minutos just announced an $82 million funding round. And we're very happy to have Alexis on the show to share with you how the company's grown from its early days in 500 Global's Batch 3 Accelerator program in Mexico back in 2014 to where it is today serving several cities across Mexico, Chile, Colombia, and Peru. In today's episode, Alexis and I discuss how much the company has raised and what's next for the logistics company beyond last mile delivery. We also cover its pivot from being an e-commerce company itself to focusing on the last mile delivery problem in LATAM and the opportunity compared to other regions and the factors driving the market. We also wrap up the episode by asking Alexis to share with us some of his personal lessons learned along the way. I do hope you enjoyed the episode. Now let's jump to it. So Alexis, congratulations on your funding. How does it feel? Thank you. Uh, we've raised uh, like 115 to 120 overall. It's like uh, thrilling, uh, but then and exciting also. But then it's like it's a lot of money. Now you have to put a lot of things to work at the same time. So it's more more stress into the table, but we're pretty excited. In fact, you know, it seems like investors have turned bullish on Latin America, especially in the last year where you guys are based. Now, what do you think is driving that? Well, I think the market in Mexico and, and Latin America is it's a new upcoming market. It's what mm-hmm. you would have seen in the U.S. maybe 15 years ago or in China maybe 20 years ago. And it's such a powerful country, economically speaking. It's like there's a huge opportunity. So now everybody's trying to invest in, in this new upcoming market. So 500 has been investing in LATAM since 2011. And we're actually believers in 99 Minutus, um, having invested back in 2014. Now, you were, I believe, in the third batch of 500's LATAM Accelerator Program in Mexico City. Do you mind telling us a little bit about those early days? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 500 was for us... uh, a game changer, to be honest. I had already been an entrepreneur three times before I, I did 99 Minutos. And I never quite understood before 2014 that there were like acceleration programs. I didn't quite understand that. And unless that they could give you money for equity. For me, it was something out of this world. It was like, you're going to give me money for a company that I that has like a month old. It's like, that's that's amazing, right? So uh, for me, it was a, a game changer on that part. That's the 500 introduced me to all these VCs, to all this like a circle of, of of entrepreneurs, because I wanted to be a, an entrepreneur all my life, but I was always focusing on the traditional. I never thought that this could be possible. But yeah, 500 was amazing. We they were in an office here in Roma, small office like with eight tables. We were like maybe eight to ten companies on the batch. But yeah, I, I love mm. that time. I love 500. They, they've been amazing to us. So you mentioned that you were an entrepreneur before you started 99 Minutos, but that 500 introduced you entrepreneurship in a different light. I'm curious, in, in what way did it differ? Well, before, the, before 99 Minutos, I had a company that we did like food trucks. So we built food trucks. We imported the, 
these three wheelers from India and China. Mm -hmm. And they were amazing products because you press the button and then they convert it into like a small restaurant. So we were pretty excited on, on that project. It was super profitable, but it was really complicated to, to make it bigger, right? So we opened maybe two stores and you spend a lot of money opening a store and then waited a couple of years for the money to get in. And then we saved enough money to create two tech companies. One was called GoToCash, which was like information market. So you could buy like homework and stuff around the internet and hire professors. And I think there are like a couple of billion dollar companies now doing the same thing in the US, but we were, I think, too early again. We launched it and we spent all of our money launching it. And then we thought the revenue was going to come pretty fast, but it didn't. So the small part of the money that remained, we opened up 99 Minutos. And always we always looked for, for profitability at first, right? So it was, if we want to make money, then we have to invest money. But if we have to invest money, then we have to make money, right? So then 500 came in and was like, I'm going to invest the money you need mm -hmm. instead of just working two or three years to make that money. And so you can jumpstart the company. And for me, that was like, how? I mean, not even the bank gave me credit card, right? Otherwise, you're bootstrapping it. Yeah, it, it was amazing them telling. And I think back then it was like thirty-seven dollars or $35,000 at maybe half the price that it is today, dollar versus peso. I think it was like mm -hmm. half a million pesos back then. So it was not a lot of money. But for us, it was like 500,000 pesos. It's like, yeah, we're going to do that in about two years. So we have now a partner that owns 10% of the company with that. And they don't even know us. That's like putting your... You're a trust thing between us and, the, and 500 and that built an amazing trust between us. And now we're like ambassadors of 500. I always try to say that if you're starting a company, then you should definitely join 500. Got that. And how did you come up with the idea for 99 Minutos? So we were in a hookah bar and the ones that you, the, the pipes the tobacco pipes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know them, but... Yeah. Oh, they're very popular in the Middle East where I'm based, actually. Yeah, they're pretty popular there in Mexico also. So we were we were there and we had a couple of friends and I were there. The, before this, those friends were my partners on, on the other business. Mm -hmm. And we said, like, what should we invest in? And, and we were talking about where was our money going to be spent? And when we got there, they told us that they had just run out of like, I think charcoal. So we said like, what? We, we just came here for that, right? So what, what's gonna, what are we gonna do? And then I said like, let's try to buy something online and let's see if somebody can deliver right now. And I remember we still had like the Blackberry pedal uh, or the Pearl. It was a pretty uh, big change from the smartphones. Mm -hmm. And we realized that that concept didn't exist, not only in Mexico, it didn't exist around the globe. So there was no e-commerce out there that you can buy now and receive it now, right? On demand, effectively. On demand. Mm -hmm. So the next day, we had a couple of motorcycles on our food truck company. So we put uh, some boxes on the back. We make the cal calculus of how much time would it need for a motorcycle to cross all Mexico City. And it said like 88 minutes or 89 minutes, something like that. So we said like maybe 99 minutes sounds better. And it gives you 10 minutes for you to to fulfill the order. And we created an e-commerce called 99minutos.com. So we were actually an e-commerce at first. We added like 600 uh, products in our, in our inventory. And we gave the time, depending on the zone you buy. And we launched the e-commerce. And at first, 
the customers starting to buy were customers that were buying recurrently because of the speed, not because of the product or the price that we were selling. Mm -hmm. And I remember that 500 was one of those companies that those customers that bought from 99 Minutos. And that day there was like a storm in Mexico and we were able to deliver like in 25 minutes with even the storm and everything. So they were like, oh, this sounds cool. And in 500, that's when we decided to pivot and only do the last mile for e-commerce. So we got rid of the e-commerce then. But why did you get rid of e-commerce given that customers were buying off of your online store? Yeah, because they were buying because of the speed, not because of the product. So mm. when we started to, we were trying to grow the inventory. A lot of our customers said like, oh, I cannot give you my packages for your fulfillment, but what if we activate the delivery service and you come and pick it up here? So we said like, okay, that sounds good. We can do that also. And then Amazon, I think, was announcing their arrival to Mexico like by the end of 2014 or something like that. So we said like, it's going to be really complicated to compete against Amazon Mercado Libre, but I think it could be easier to change the traditional logistics industry that in the world worked the exact same way. So DHL, FedEx, UPS, all of those companies worked at the exact same pace and at the exact same time around the globe that in Mexico. So what we needed to fix was the delivery experience, not the e-commerce experience. So that's why we decided to to drop the e-commerce. Got that. And did this pivot happen during your time at the 500 Accelerator Program? Yeah, just by the end. Interesting. And so, Alexis, you said that you started off in Mexico City. Where do you operate today? Mexico, Colombia, Chile, and Peru. And have people been more comfortable ordering online in all these locations that, that you operate in? Yeah, I think part of the e-commerce, well, part of the, the people growing with, I think there are two factors that people are buying more online in Latin America. Mm -hmm. Mexico, I think, was maybe a couple of years advanced than Chile, Colombia, and Peru. But because we have the U.S. as, as a neighbor and we're pretty accustomed to what they're doing, we have to, to replicate. But then COVID obviously helped because nobody could leave home. So you were like obligated that if you wanted something, you had it to order online. And the other thing is that in Mexico and in Latin America, there are a lot of new bank or fintech companies giving credit cards to people that were impossible to get before this fintech scheme. So like I said, we, we as a company were never, even five years after we created 99 Minutos, we weren't able to get a corporate credit card. It was impossible to get a corporate credit card. Not even American Express or the bank gave you that card. So it was impossible for you as a company to buy online unless you bought with your personal card and then ask for the reimbursement. So all this new fintechs gave a lot of capability to the people to buy online. So the growth in Colombia, Chile, and Peru has been also, uh, uh, I think, Peru 8x on e-commerce last year in growth. I mean, they're a small country, mm -mm -mm. but they're growing massively. Interesting. And why is business banking so limited in LATAM? I don't know. To be honest, it's like they don't trust nobody. So they try to do... The banks. The, yeah. They, they just want to have the loan with zero risk or the credit card with zero risk. I, I'm going to give you an example. So American Express gave us, I don't know, like maybe $20,000 in credit after five years of creating the company. But if you tried to spend 5000 then they blocked the card because then you had to pay the 5000 for you to be able to pay the remaining 15K. So it was like, you're giving me 5K on credit, not not 20K. And you're just trying to manipulate the, the, the way you, you use it. And there's no way 
of speaking to them and asking them or to be flexible, it's like impossible. It's like you need your your bank account statements. If, if you're not profitable, then you, we will not lend you money. So they're pushing you to be a traditional company. But if you're receiving investment and you're trying to invest, you're obviously losing money, right? Because you're trying to grow as fast as you can, but they, they will not lend you money if you lose money. So it's like a pretty complicated circle. And this is only corporate speaking. Then with the personal, that's exactly the same thing. But imagine there are a million companies in Mexico, but there are 122 million people without credit cards. So that obviously helped a lot. And now everybody's able to, to buy online because they have a valid credit card or debit card that can actually be for online purpose. Mm. And Alexis, where do you see the opportunity for growth considering that e-commerce in LATAM is relatively smaller than in other emerging markets? Well, I think um, compared to the US or uh, I mean China, China, I think 2020 had like 83 billion parcels delivered. And in Mexico, we're less than a billion, right? So I think the US were something between 20 and 25 billion parcels a year. So we're a lot of a lot of people living in Latam. There is a strong economy in some of the countries. There are a lot of big e-commerce stores starting to work in this part of America. And it's inevitable for the people to start buying more online. So we're growing in Mexico and Latin America. I mean, Peru, 8x year after year. Chile, I think 3x year after year. Mexico, mm. 3x year after year. So it's inevitable then less than maybe two years we will already be above a billion parcels a year so we're already fast tracking to all of the other countries in the globe that use e-commerce so i think it's one of those things that it's unavoidably going to happen i think it's something that that everybody knows it's going to continue growing Mm -hmm. and that needs a lot of logistics infrastructure that needs a lot of banking infrastructure a lot of e-commerce infrastructure and all of the e-commerce are already investing on latam all of the banks or fintechs are already investing in LATAM. So that leaves the, the hard part, which is logistics, that the traditional carriers are not investing in LATAM. They're investing, they have markets, bigger markets around the globe. Speaking with DHL and all of those big guys that you know, they try to invest in all countries that are gaining more volume. So LATAM is quite alone. So Mexico has those traditional companies, but Chile, there's nobody there. Peru, there's nobody there. Colombia, maybe FedEx is there. Ecuador, there's nobody there. Panama, there's we're completely abandoned logistically speaking. So now it's a it's up to us to to give that e-commerce experience here. Mm, that's so interesting. And by the way, speaking of the logistics infrastructure, I love the fact that you're using CO2 free trucks, especially given 500's emphasis on ESG. Um, are they electric vehicles? Yeah, we have. I think like 70 electric vehicles right now operating in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we have like 30% of our capacity in, in Chile are already electric vehicles. Colombia still is more part. Oh, that's actually quite high. Yeah. Okay. Chile's company started exclusively with bikes, e-bikes, and electric fleet. It was to be a company that was going to be emission-free. Mm-hmm. And then we had to move that a bit because the trucks that we needed were not available electric. So we had to buy some diesel trucks. But uh, the essence is that we had to do 100% electric. Oh, wow. And when did you make the decision to start moving towards having more and more electric vehicles in your fleet? 2018. 
Um, we had a partner back then called NG. Mm-hmm. NG is the biggest energy company in the world. And they had an amazing uh, strategy of making Chile an amazing infrastructure with charging electric cars and electric vans. So we were like uh, excited that they were doing this infrastructure. And if they had the infrastructure for us to charge the vehicle, then we should only buy the vehicles and start working. It worked out as we expected. But Mexico, which is our biggest market right now, hasn't been as tough as... Chile in placing um, benefits for electric fleet, electric chargers, uh, stations. There is still no infrastructure here. And the vans and trucks that they sell here are still uh, not the ones that you see uh, in in part of China or even part of the U.S. There's still maybe two or three brands of trucks here. And they're twice as expensive as a normal truck. And if you try to buy one, it's like six months delivery time. Oh, interesting. I think uh, maybe in the next couple of years, the electric uh, companies or van companies is going to come here to Mexico and it's going to be easier for us to buy them and to operate them. So we're just hoping somebody takes a leap of faith and comes to Mexico to sell these types of vehicles. Did um, Amazon have anything to do with your decision to introduce more and more EVs given its carbon footprint? No, I think we, we actually announced it before they they did and then obviously them announcing it was something that now the most of the e-commerce are trying to to get us to work with them so some companies are trying to get the seal in their or the yeah the seal in the box that says like how many kilograms of co2 you you saved by doing the electric delivery Mm -hmm. and now it's like a global um objective for some of the companies that we work with but i think obviously amazon helped with all of this so we're no nobody compared to them and when we announced it it was like okay who are you (laughs) but when amazon announced it, it was like okay now this is happening we should definitely try to do the same alexis what are some of the lessons you learned along the way well, I, there are a lot of lessons. I've been an entrepreneur almost, I think, like 16 years now. And I think the mo- one of the most important uh, lessons I learned was uh, never, never get a cheap lawyer <laughs> once you're closing a big round. All right. That's, that's the most important one. Uh, back in 2015, we, we were receiving an investment, but it was not a, a venture capital. It was a logistics company here in Mexico. And if it wasn't for the lawyer that we had hired to do all the paperwork, we wouldn't have a company right now. So it was a a pretty hostile negotiation. Oh, wow. Okay. And they were trying to take the company away from us a year after the investment was done. And three years later, after investment, we were able to take them off the cap table before they went bankrupt. But it was a pretty stressful time for us. And I... I always, I speak to this lawyer, I always give them thanks because it's something that you as an entrepreneur actually don't know and you don't even have to know, right? So you have to hire a good legal team to do it. And right now with all the US investors here in Mexico, uh, it's easier because their paperwork is not as hostile as, as if it was a company. But what, that's one of our biggest lessons. Never, never, never hire a cheap lawyer. I've definitely never heard that before, by the way. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a, a hard one. And I, I don't know if I think about something, I'll, I'll put it out okay, there. Okay, well, well, maybe looking more forward ahead, what's next for 99 Minutos and what do you plan on doing with the funds that you just raised? Okay, so when we started the company, we started first as an on-demand service, right? So 99 Minutos, every delivery was made in less than 99 minutes. Then we realized that 
some of the bigger e-commerce weren't even able to pick and pack their packages in less than 99 minutes. So we offered same-day delivery. Then we offered next-day delivery. Then we offered this CO2-free delivery. And then we started to go outside of the local cities. We started to connect them, Mexico to Guadalajara, Monterey to Querétaro, so on and so forth. And last year, we launched a Puro network, which is called Punto 99. And we did this because we were having a lot of troubles with the returns. In the U.S., it's I think 20% of the parcels are returns, people that didn't like their package or the size didn't fit or, or whatever. And here we didn't have the, the infrastructure. So they were launching the returns with the physical FedEx stores or the physical DHL stores. So we launched this Pudo network to help get to the final consumer faster. And then we realized that we were almost maybe a step away to being the complete logistics circle for e-commerce. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to invest on fulfillment, a big uh, warehouse where we're going to be able to tell our customers, you just have to sell and leave the rest to us. We will do the pick, the pack, the first mile, the last mile, the return, the warehousing, the inventory, we'll do absolutely everything. Now you just have to get yourself selling. So that's the idea. That's where the investment is going to go. Also, we're going to penetrate uh, much more coverage within the countries that we operate right now. Mexico, we have like 70%. Chile, we have like 40%. Colombia, we have like 30 We want to get to at least 90% coverage in all the countries that we operate. And last, we're going to offer our software, our logistics software to, to the e-commerce companies or platforms that use their own infrastructure. So we're launching, it's called Ruta 99, which is a SaaS software. And it's for all the e-commerce that have... Mm -hmm. Uh, some bands working with them, a um, ton of e-commerce that we know has like maybe 80% of their volume is with 99 Minutos. But then they have like 20 or 30 bands working with them to do deliveries or, or motorcycles or cars. So we're going to give that software away so people can actually uh, have a better routing tool, better uh, tracking service and everything on the same software. We have a, a hard road ahead, but it's exciting pretty exciting uh, all the things that we're launching so now we just have to to fulfill them super and congratulations again on the fundraise alexis thank you very much for your time it was wonderful to have you on the show thank you thank you for having me my pleasure I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you subscribe on wherever you're listening to this so you can get notified as soon as new episodes are released. You can listen to this episode on all major podcast streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, as well as our website, The Global VC, which you can access at 500.co. Until then, you can also stay up to date with 500 Global by following us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all with the handle at 500global. That's all for me today. I'll catch you all on a future episode of Rise of the Next by 500 Global. This podcast is intended solely for general informational or educational purposes only. Under no circumstances should any content provided as part of or any such programs, services, or events be construed as investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice by 500 Startups Management Company, LLC, or any of its affiliates, 500 Global. Platform Global makes no representation as to the accuracy or information in this podcast.
And while reasonable steps have been taken to ensure that the information herein is accurate and up-to-date, no liability can be accepted for any such error or omissions, and 500 Global accepts no responsibility for any loss which may arise from reliance on the information in this podcast. Under no circumstances should any information or content in this podcast be considered as an offer to sell or solicitation of interest to purchase any securities advised by 500 Global or any of its affiliates or representatives. Further, no content or information in this podcast is intended as an offer to provide any investment advisory service with regard to securities by 500 Global. Under no circumstances should anything herein be construed as fund marketing materials by prospective investors considering an investment into any 500 Global investment fund. Under no circumstances should any statistics, quotations, or other content be interpreted as testimonials or endorsement of the investment performance of any 500 Global fund by a prospective investor considering an investment into any 500 Global fund. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements which involve risks and uncertainties, and actual results may differ materially from any expectations, projections, or predictions made or implied in such forward-looking statements. This podcast includes content delivered by an independent third party that is not related to or controlled by 500 Global. All views and opinions represented in the podcast by such third party are their own views and opinions and do not represent those of 500 Global. 500 Global makes no representations as to or guarantees of specific outcomes from attending or relying on the contents of the podcast.